1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as
0: always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? I'm just trying to survive out here. So, I some people may know, I've gone completely from as someone who works in production, has been in a Mac environment, pretty much since i was out of high school straight over to pc and as you two can attest i've basically been on the verge of like breaking everything over the last 24 hours so apologies if this sounds bad it's probably because i broke something but other than that i exist this week just as much as i did last week take it as you will how are you holding a baby
1: i'm good i um uh, i don't know man i've just i've used mac for so long now i'm, I'm just never changing i'm I started using Mac and now I've gotten old. So that just means I can't have change in my life at this point. So,
0: I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like that. So peeling back the curtain, like being able to capture stuff and be able to do the show on Mac, it's pretty much plug and play. Like you get to a certain point and you just go ahead and do it. And maybe I was just getting too big for my britches. Maybe I was thinking I could do something pretty fancy pants with this, but I almost broke my brand new computer twice today. Like, like completely, I was like fearing that like something was going to explode. Now that could just be me being a a Freedy cat, or it could be me just being really dumb. But yeah, no. When once you get the Mac thing, it's hard to break back out. I think it's easier going PC to Mac than Mac to PC.
1: You're over here feeling like a five foot ten North Carolinian, I think, and instead you're a a five foot what
0: nine South Carolinian? Five foot eight. I'm five hmm. foot eight. You hmm. know, a I, 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 non Adam Cole six foot. You know, I realize again, got
1: <laughs> Well, there is a tall person on this show,
0: and it's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, tall guy?
2: <laughs> Hello, uh, short kings. Nice to see you, <laughs> uh, as always. Uh, Mike, obviously, I think your issue is uh, that you need to install Linux. I think that would be the first step. Uh, but I do want to uh, compliment you on keeping the metaphor consistent, because you said... You were maybe getting too big for your britches, and you were trying to do something too fancy pants. So I'm glad we <laughs> narrowed it down. That the issue is definitely your pants here.
0: I, I mean, at once, maybe changing to PC makes me have correct idioms for once and have everything line up. But I'm certain the next hour, an hour, fifteen minutes, or hour and a half, I'm going to completely screw that up.
2: Here's hoping. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Obviously, uh, just you know, eagerly awaiting the release of. The Immortal Treasure 2 in the Dota Battle Pass, uh, but other than that, you know, I've just been watching some good-ass wrestling television.
1: Frankly, I don't know. It's hard to tell on this if Mike's even wearing pants as we as we do this show.
2: They better be track pants. Not oh, shorts. a lot of leg. Boo. Boo.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 95 out. I My summer track suit is the only thing that would actually be cool, but I had to actually go outside today and i didn't want to wear a bright white track suit with orange piping outside as i ran errands track suits are like my indoor clothes you know
1: you gotta get a track suit with with shorts
0: i mean i i i'll get to work on that i i don't want to fail the listeners about me actually wearing shorts versus track pants
1: it'd be like real basketball coach shit you know you could have like the the
0: half zip yeah yeah pull over half- I mean, that's really like college football strength coach fit. You know, the the quarters that pull over. Once we get
1: you on the gas, that would be a really good option for you. (laughs) Fuck, I walked right into it. (laughs) Fuck. All right. Steroids,
2: steroids, steroids.
1: Yeah. If you want to encourage Mike to do steroids, you can tweet us at everything AEW. You can go right to him at FujiHeya. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating and review five-star rating on Apple Podcasts app or whatever the fuck it's called. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash everything elite. On tonight's show, today's show, to whatever you're listening to, this is show, we're going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to run down an excellent Episode of Dynamite. I, I don't intend to speak for everyone there, but I think we all loved this episode. So we'll talk about that. Ratings are fun this week. We'll talk ratings and we'll give you a little preview of what's going on next week on Dynamite. But we'll start out with Elite or Delete.
2: Delete Elite. Delete Elite! Delete!
1: Stop! Stop! Delete! Stop! Nate, I know you're excited. You, for the first time ever, indicated in the group <laughs> chat what your elite pick was going to be last night, you know, the night after the show. So the floor is yours, my man.
2: <clears <clears <throat> All right. Uh, yeah, so I, I got to talk about Eddie Kingston. Obviously... You know, basically as soon as Santana and Ortiz were done with impact wrestling, I was saying they were bound for aew and aew needs to bring Eddie Kingston with them. One of just my favorite wrestlers full stop, uh probably one of the people I've seen live more than any other. it's probably it's probably him and like Sammy Callahan are right at the top of the list there. Um, and I think it you know he didn't have a ton of time here in this TNT debut, uh, but I think just came out and immediately showed why he's such a special talent and why he brings such a unique and important uh, presence to a wrestling show. Um, You know, I've been saying on this show for a long time that I really want the best friends to cry. I need the best friends to cry on the AEW product. And that's just because that vulnerability kind of breaks down the layer between the performer and the wrestler. And that's really what makes pro wrestling simple, right? If you can break down the layer between the performer and the wrestler, if you can get the audience invested in both of them, then it's really easy to make good pro wrestling. Cause you just, you sync up the goals and aims of those two, uh, uh, two, two aspects of a, of a, of a character and a wrestler, right? Um, like for Eddie Kingston, in this situation, it's, we know his story. We know he's not a guy signed to a big money deal or something like that. So you sync up the character's goal of winning the title and winning this match with the real person's goal of winning the match and getting a contract and being able to pay his mortgage. And it just becomes instantly compelling. And it's, you know, that's why people say, oh, you know, wins and losses don't matter, but they do matter because if a company's given somebody a lot of wins, it communicates to the audience. Hey, we're investing in this person that gives you a reason to be invested in this person. Cause you know, that investment's going to pay off at some point. Um, and just the energy that Eddie brought in the first segment here, he does like, the, you know, the vulnerability that I want for the best friends. He does like aggressive, aggro, masculine vulnerability, not better than anybody in pro wrestling, probably better than anybody in media, <laughs> probably better than anybody in, uh, culture at large. I think, um, there was a guy on Twitter who uh, Rika Chavasco, tweeting in Portuguese, said that the emotion that Eddie conveys with his eyes is something few in the world can do, and I was like, oh, that's just true. Like this is a guy who uh, just fully embodies that certain sensitivity, but with just like full dangerous masculinity at the same time, uh, and it, it's just like singular, and you're just like oh yeah, no, I instantly understand this person. I instantly empathize and sympathize with this person. I'm also kind of fucking scared of this person and don't really know what to expect from him. Um, So he came out, just did like, you know, in a very short amount of time, did a extremely memorable promo, established him as the heel, established the stakes for him, established why he's so fired up about this match and this opponent, Cody in particular, just nailed it, you know, healed on Arn, uh, got the no disqualification match that he wanted, And then just went out there and the other great thing about Eddie Kinks is he carries that, the selling of that vulnerability and that dangerousness, he carries it over to the selling in the match where it's like, you know, he, in this match, they worked over his leg and really focused on his knee. And you could see just in his eyes, like the stakes of that, like, oh, working over my knee, I'm fucking 38 years old. I carry a lot of weight. Like that's significant for me. I had to go fucking buy my boots. Uh, This is a big investment for me this match. And, you know, you can kind of see it working over that knee that he's losing a little bit of that opportunity. Uh, And then just the match delivered big time. It had a unique raw energy that we don't get a ton in AEW. We certainly have gotten it like the uh, Cody and Dustin match. Um, I'm sure there's other examples, but it had, you know, a raw energy that is kind of hard to accomplish on glitzy TNT television, right? The bright lights and stuff kind of subtract or detract from that raw energy. That's really appealing in pro wrestling a lot, but Eddie being out there in his fucking Kawada gear, uh, you know, bringing the tax out and everything just gave it a different feel. And you could see it reflected in Cody, like Cody's baby face fire. comeback here was better than anyone that he's done in a previous match. And I think that's just, uh, you know, a reflection and answer to fucking Eddie chopping him down in the chest with those stiff shots all night. Uh, it was fucking awesome. It set the tone for the whole episode. Instantly, was one of the most memorable things that they've done on television, and it turned the rest of this episode into, you know, not one of the best dynamites that they've done in the COVID era, just one of the best dynamites, flat out. I think, uh, awesome fucking segment. Uh, I wrote down like three more things I wanted to call out. They, Jr. had like the best call that Jr. has made, certainly in this promotion, and probably in like a decade, talking about exactly what I was saying, Eddie being vulnerable because he had to fucking sell his shoes, his wrestling boots to pay his mortgage payment. He had nothing to lose. He was putting it all on the line, you know, just instantly memorable. Um, And just, I also just (laughs) took a bunch of notes on Eddie in general, but not only does he bring that aspect, he can really do it all. He can just do straight comedic promos. He can do babyface veteran promos. He's the guy, you know, I, I occasionally take You know, normal, non hardcore wrestling fans to AEW shows. And he's always somebody that they latch onto right away because you give him the mic and just instantly comes across as real and personable and funny, but also legitimate. Um, Just, you know, he's just automatic to me. Uh, And it was great to see him on this big stage. Great to see literally everybody in the world react positively to it. Uh, And I think really, infuse this open challenge and infuse this title bell with a lot more meaning than it had last week. Last week, uh, when Eddie talked about the children, he's a child. He did like this sing soggy melodic thing. He was doing the very gritty, you know, I'm going to fucking kick your ass, Arne Anderson. And he's a child, which was uh, delightful to me. Uh, but Cody doing these previous open challenges with just guys on the roster, it's like, okay, we get it. We're going to do, you know, let's see your guys' top four spots or whatever and see what we can do with this. Uh, and now it's like, there's some meaning to the matches and Eddie has continued to go on socials today and just like put over that. He's disappointed that he lost because he wanted a championship. You know, he's not concerned about the signing or whatever. He just, he wanted to win that belt. He wanted to take it from Cody and he continues to put it over. And now it just, I don't know, kind of just legitimized the whole thing for me.
0: And it's something that you hit on all the big points here. So I'm not going to belabor it. it. It, it's something that it's, The the thing that really struck me when I was watching this and maybe this is like me coming to terms with my own age, my like where I am in professional wrestling and like that when they brought up that a king's an 18 year old, 18 year vet, almost 40. And then I'm like, I've pretty much seen this guy since his debut. It probably like the first match of his I saw was like 2003 or 2004. And he's like, kind of puts everything in context on like what a journey someone like Eddie Kingston has been on. And and if you're someone that, like, kind of, like, follows him in other facets and, like, seen him and do, like, other interviews, like, he was someone that... His position in wrestling was very tentative after Impact. He made a pretty big deal of, like, he wanted to be a wrestler, and he was going to give it a shot. And he's someone that I think that the industry needs, like, at large. Like, having someone like Eddie Kingston who, you know, I mean, he's been doing best in the world promos now for well over 15 years which is kind of wild thing and then having come out here and having the kind of match that I've been missing from Cody for a long time like Cody's as you said like it was very much like what can I work with you how can we make this into a highlight match for you when really Cody's bread and butter and sadly with the COVID era it's taken away is like engagement like he's an engagement wrestler he's someone that I remember, like, hearing, uh, I think it was, like, a Best Friends interview where they were talking to Brian Myers, uh, formerly known as Chris Hawkins. He was like, oh, yeah, no, I was doing training with The Rock. And when I was doing the prep for The Rock, he would pause there and go, because ah, he would have to, like, pause for, like, crowd reactions. And it's like, this is the kind of person that Cody is. And then having someone that can bring it to him and pull him into this style of match that's still, I mean, one of my favorite matches they've had on Dynamite in months even without a crowd like like COVID or not, one of my favorite matches is like the best thing to do for this. And it's now more interesting. Cause it's like, okay, Cody went through hell last week. He hasn't, he, who's next, who's next. And it's getting to a point now where like, how long can Cody go on with this? And that's not even considering like Eddie Kingston, like probably, I mean, definitely deserves a job, probably got himself into a position to get a contract now and definitely deserves it. So it's, it's very exciting. And it was a very kind of like, different way for them to start the show. And because they love having like the hot work rate stuff. But it's starting off with an Eddie Kingston promo is as bad as the departures one can get from that.
2: Yeah. My great point on the engagement thing. That's another, I think, uh strong aspect of Eddie's in addition to Cody's that, you know, a lot said about guys who can talk you into the room or, you know, talk you into attending a show. But Eddie's a guy who can talk you into being engaged in a match and being engaged in a character and having a next level investment that leads to like, you know, following a guy or following a company. Um, and, you know, Cody, Cody's done a really good job of that in a lot of the pre tapes and stuff. But, you know, Eddie's a guy who can do that on a live mic, you know, eight or nine times out of 10. Um, and yeah, you do, you wonder how many, like, it's not just that Eddie can do that on a national television stage here, but he's done it in fucking bum indies for 15 years. You wonder how many great promos like before, digital video and pre-tapes and this stuff got much easier. Like how many great promos are on long forgotten DVDRs from like fucking IWA shows 10 years ago that just, you know, no, nobody can link them on YouTube because they're not there, but there's probably real gold sitting out there.
1: It's also something that I guess this can happen outside of pro wrestling, but it's a perfect pro wrestling thing in that the, the Eddie Cody thing worked on two completely different levels in that Eddie comes out trying to cut, a heel promo in a way, right? Like he's going after Arn. He's going after Cody. Who's, you know, one of the big baby faces in the promotion. So if you're someone who's not familiar with Eddie, you can hate him a bit um, immediately. You can hate him, want to see him lose this match, no matter what else. But then for people like us, it works on this level of like, no, he's the perfect foil for Cody because everything he said is true. He really did have to grind to get to where he is. And Cody was, born on triple on third base, right? I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. What, whatever you think about whether Cody's worked hard to get where he is, I don't give a damn. The fact is, obviously, that uh, Eddie Kingston had to come from much much humbler beginnings to get where he is. So it works on both of those levels in a way that not only did Eddie engage us and people who are hardcore fans, but he could engage everybody on two different wavelengths. I don't know if, if that's possible in a lot of other, uh, art forms or, or cultural mediums, but uh, it was, it was great here. It was something I loved.
2: Yeah. That is a funny thing about wrestling is, uh, you know, Eddie has to come out there and to get this, to get that aspect of their relationship over and how he's a foil and the difference between him and Cody over to tell the story of the match. He basically has to come out and like say true and not flattering things about Cody to his face. Right. And then they have to go and have like a cooperative wrestling match and you know be cool about it backstage which uh is definitely i think unique to wrestling and you know in so many other kinds con- you know you think about uh, brett and sean and working yourself into a shoot like just unique to wrestling and like a fun thing like oh yeah no he has to come out and tell cody you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth everything you say about grinding and cutting a schedule is bullshit uh and you know i'm saying that and I'm, you know, it's true, but we kind of have to pretend like I don't mean it.
1: <laughs> and also I want you to be one of the people who helps me get a job here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I mean,
2: you go, you, uh, I think Eddie's, Eddie's, Eddie's promo that he cut on IWTV. Um, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. He right before this promo, he cut a promo shitting on Tony Khan. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, he kind of did the same thing here. He's like, oh yeah, you want to buddy up to the boss, but it is a funny, very funny tension. That's uh, unique to pro wrestling.
1: And I have to give like a lot of credit to Cody for giving Eddie as much as he did in this match, helping Eddie look good, and taking the fucking thumbtack spot to like do a real moment for Eddie, a guy he doesn't have to do anything for. And so I thought that was impressive. I give him credit for that. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention from your, your original comments, Nate, is uh, have you read the, the ESPN piece on Orange Cassidy?
2: I did read the ESPN piece on George Cassidy orange orange george cassidy is george so, cassidy a person no
1: <laughs> i don't think so uh, well i just it's beca- because i believe chuck said he was he was crying
2: i i did i took note of that i don't remember if it was chuck or trent but yeah one of them definitely said you know i saw my friend out there uh getting such a big reaction it was like silly but i was crying and i was like because i know you know maybe i don't know uh you feel like you sort of understand the best friends as people. Right. Uh, and there was also Trent, like famously cried after winning the IWB junior tag team championships, uh, from the young bucks and the young bucks, like teased him about it. So you under, you know, they're obviously human beings. There's just that weird millennial abstraction thing where they can't like, you know, they have to put everything in a layer of irony or whatever when they're on television. Cause that's just the way that, uh, you know, uh, guys are wired a lot of the time. Um, so you know that's there. We just have to there has to be some way to unlock that and show that in an appropriate way. I and then like you know, the Sue as the mom thing, I think there's potential for it there. And yeah, just like of course they would be like hugely touched by the, you know, third random guy from their unit who is mostly a Chicago regular being like a fucking pay-per-view superstar in Chicago. Like of course that's like meaningful to them.
1: And it's sick of course that it's that their reaction is that and not like, why is this guy more over than we are? Right. Et cetera. But it's like, it's a very relatable thing. And I just, I enjoyed reading that. And it, it was something, uh, you know, that I felt deeply. And so I just thought it was worth noting when you've talked about them crying, of course. Okay. Mike, what was your
0: elite pick from this episode? Well, just having to pick one and I'm just going to pick one person. It is Taz because Yet again, Taz is proving that the manager is not dead, cut an incredible promo talking about, yeah, I made sure that John Moxley could not tear my client's bicep again like he did it once, or his bicep's been tore at once. It's my job as a manager to look out for his well-being. And yeah, we did have an argument after this. Yeah, I did think that I might have gotten fired by Cage, but we understand that I'm doing this in my own benefit. And finding a way that now we have these five individuals that are kind of in this uh, interwoven feud with uh, Taz, uh, Brian Cage, now having Ricky Starks join them. And now we get to see a nucleus of, is this an alliance? Is this Taz as burgeoning staple of wrestlers? And then you have John Moxley who gives John Moxley something to do that is a continuation and not like how in this company it's kind of been that you have your title shot and if you lose, that's it like that there is still a grudge there that still is to be dealt. And it feels like, like Moxley's pre-existing relationship with Darby Allen and how that's kind of all interplayed. And I feel like that those five had like probably one of my favorite in ring, like kind of thing back and forth between this on dynamite and then the night before on dark. And they did a great job of illustrating like now Starks is clearly in cahoots with Taz and cage and how's this going to interplay? And it's something that, you know, this is a promotion that I've noticed at least through its first year that there could be a lot of wheel spinning, especially when it's like so many weeks out from like a big show. And I feel like this was much more of a case after revolution or I'm sorry, after full gear before revolution where it felt like there were weeks of like, okay, they're just trying to get through or like things aren't really in motion here, but Taz basically like being the anchor of this storyline. And then you have Taz and Darby and you have Taz and Mox and it's just very interesting. And I, like how Taz has kind of become like the straw that serves the drink. And I feel like that, that overall segment was one of the more compelling things I like the first hour and like 20 minutes or hour and 40 minutes of the show was great. And then this was just like one of the things that, I mean, Nate got picked number one, with the bullet thing. And this was another thing that happened that I thought was really enjoyable as well.
1: Yeah. It's almost to me like that COVID in a weird way has, has been a blessing for like the TV product that AW puts out in that they had so much at their disposal before that a lot of times I felt like we got really developed stories at the very top of the card. And there was a lot of fun stuff elsewhere, stuff you could enjoy, but it wasn't as fleshed out before. And now they have a, a more limited roster. And I've, I mean, yes, Cage was involved with Moxley, who's at the top of the card. But now you have this Cage, Darby, uh, Ricky Starks thing going on that is not probably going to be a main event type feud. Like the cage Darby blow off match is not going to be a main event match, but it feels like it has real stakes. You feel like you understand the characters and it's all interwoven in a way that's much more interesting, I think, than stuff they were doing uh, before all this happened. I mean, somebody point Chris Hamsa pointed out yesterday that they've now done 19 shows post COVID and there were only 23 before that. So, I mean, we're coming up to the point where they've basically done half and half of fans and no fans, some fans, shows. Uh, So I, I hope this is something they can recognize that it's done really well for them and continue to use that when, you know, at some point we get to go back to normal shows again. All right, my elite pick, I mean, we've talked about the very best stuff on this show, but I want to give a quick shout out to the Falls Count Anywhere Tag Match because. When it all started, I was pretty worried. They're like out in that concourse area, and I'm like, How are you gonna match that eight-man tag? I think it was an eight-man tag, but that was before Stadium Stampede, or Stadium Stampede. Like those kind of things, those kind of matches basically did everything that you could do in that area. But they found a way as the match went on to move it around, eventually go into the ring. It kind of reminded me of the the backyard or the backlot brawl uh with the gold dust and uh, Roddy Piper match, where you work from outside into the ring, and then they saved up a lot of great stuff for once they got uh, out into the actual like arena and did a lot of you know we've seen a billion matches like that, and they did a lot of new stuff, fun stuff that uh, continued to make it interesting. So, congrats to everybody involved in that one.
2: Yeah, that was the other. I think big highlight from this show was that match. Um, the You know, the Young Bucks are future Hall of Famers and just like seem to have an infinite surplus of ideas between putting together matches like this uh, with regularity and also like having a weekly sketch show that they do on on top of their weekly cable television show. So going to going to just like be like, yeah, that's, you know, standard operating practice for them. But I thought this was like really the coming out party for the Butcher and the Blade is like, oh, these are like talent you can really get excited about, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, kind of unspoken that, uh, like they were kind of meme wrestlers before they signed with AEW, right? Like that was the initial reaction to them coming out of the ring in Chicago, uh, was first a lot of confusion. Cause a lot, most people didn't know who they were and the other people that did know where they were, I was like, oh, that's funny. They signed, you know, the, the, the rock guitar player and, Crax and Sutter from TV Ready uh from Beyond Wrestling and put them on TV. Uh and they have this weird gimmick that's funny. Um but like they've now actually developed and or at least showed in this match and in that giant four-way match or four-person tag match, uh, that they're like legitimate and fucking can show out and have a great blow-away match uh and do it in such a way that's unique to them and it's not just like interchangeable parts it's like oh this is what you're getting from the butcher and the blade as an act as a unit uh and that's fucking pretty cool
0: and this was a match that i feel like that they needed to have because for a lot of the run so far they've been back they've been like background players like they were first tied to njf as like his hired gun as their his hired guns and then really the whole like ftr thing was really more about the box in that match like that was really like the true story and they had like this insane brawl where there was some really gross stuff that happened and it started off a little bit kind of jokey with them being in catering and then they were being a butcher and a blade they were preparing meat and that kind of went from there into just a really like there's a match that has me caught scream out i think i did this a couple times in discord god that was dumb then, then, that, then I'm enjoying it because there was a lot of parts of this match where someone did something where it was like, oh my God, that was dumb. And it hit on all levels. And it's interesting how like this whole first hour that was started with Eddie Kingston and ended with the False Cow at Anywhere match might have been the single best hour that AEW has done. COVID, not COVID, just in general, just was solid stuff. And it was like an interesting capsule like encapsulation, because you had a lot of different things go on here. And I felt like that this match was like the perfect, like cherry on the top of the first hour.
1: Butcher and Blade are another act that's really benefited from the, the COVID TV world, I think. I saw some tweet going around. I don't remember who did this, but it it seemed like they were suggesting that AW's done a really good job with Butcher and Blade. <laughs> and I think that's retconning a uh, <laughs> thing that they, they fell into by just I- happening to have these guys around and, and letting them shine a little more.
0: Yeah. Finally I, even
1: out.
2: I think that's kind of true. Like, cause again, I don't think people were putting a bunch of stock in butcher and butcher in the blade as a hot act before they no. got signed, which is so like, honestly, kind of giving them the opportunity and giving them the platform is like, you know, do you have it or do you not? And I think they show that they do.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we also have to acknowledge that like the, First month of them in uh, Daly's place, they kind of just were sitting in the crowd, and people were more remarking on they were wearing all white. Uh, the fact that the butcher looked like Lyle from Akewood, The fact that Braxton Sutter just sat around. P- about it people
2: around. were remarking on this. It wasn't Mike Spears remarking on this. It was people were remarking <laughs> on this specific Akewood reference. People yes, are saying yes. that
0: more and more. Like they're saying <laughs> it more and more. It's, it's, it's a take. Everywhere that's I go,
2: people keep telling me which Akewood character: the butcher and the blader. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like, it, it's something that really it, it feels like the, like the last month is their opportunity and they've really taken a hold of it and you know i mean a take that actually has been going around is like how this tag team division's really come together and now they've kind of planned their flag as that they're an important cog in the machine here rather than just an ancillary part and that's this match was a big example of that
1: all right well i think it's going to be tough for us to find some things we really didn't like from this episode but nate you want to kick us off with something you would have deleted from this show yes so I had a couple of thoughts here. Um,
2: I'm I, What I'm going to delete, I'm going to delete the absence of a pack promo on this show. That's what well, I needed. Yes. yes. Yeah. It That's uh, a, pack. yep. That's pretty much, you know, uh, the first, you know, they had, they, it was just jam packed with great promos, great video segments, you know, great vignettes. Um, just, you know, the, the one thing keeping it from being, uh, you know, an all time legendary
1: episode was a pack promo.
0: Pac, I hope you're doing all right. I miss you.
1: Mike, you got something that you really didn't like?
0: Yeah. Uh, the main event was kind of flat until the final angle. It was something that, and this isn't a bad position to be in as a wrestling company, but if I gave you this match on paper, Chris Jericho and Jay Hager versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, there's no doubt there. Jericho's not going to take a fall. Jericho's taken one fall in the history of the promotion so far. Jake Hager, they protect for some unordinate ability. Is there another fall that he took?
2: He got uh, pinned by Scorpio Sky in that tag master to set oh, up that's this right. title challenge.
0: Okay, so two falls. He's taken two falls. So Moxley and Scorpio Sky. I forgot about that setup. That's a good point. Thanks. But And then Hager, who they incredibly protect to like a level that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, calling his bay, his bay like he Like, he's just playing tall guy there. And then you have Jungle Boy, whose whole storyline since the inception, the promotion was, he's not there yet. He's slowly getting there. And then Luchasaurus, who is forever chasing what happened at Fighter Fest 2019. So, you put these four guys in the match, and you give them 25 minutes. It felt like 25 minutes. It might have only been 15, but it certainly felt that way. And it just kind of just, like... At a certain point, I was like, okay, okay. Everyone's getting winded. This is happening. This is happening. And then we had the finish, which provided some spark to it. But after 100 minutes of a very strong TV show to go out with this before the show end was just incredibly deflating. And it was like the only time I feel like the whole entire show was like, oh, it's 945, 946, 947. I wonder what's going to happen at 10 o'clock. First time that like I was looking at the clock whatsoever is during this main event, which is just... And the fact that like fixate on this is pretty much like the storytelling, how solid of an episode of dynamite. This was.
1: Yeah. This match wasn't very good. I mean, it was fine. It was just, everything else was so good that I was just kind of like, okay, I don't that. What I was talking about earlier with like all the stuff, having these stakes and fleshed out things, this didn't really feel like it had any stakes. And so it was hard for me to get invested in, it in any real way.
2: Yeah, it was fine. It didn't, You know, it wasn't blow away, but honestly, like after the first hour, everything was just like gravy to me. I was just like, yeah, no, this, you know, this has been a blessed episode. You know, nothing's going to take my mood down from here. So, you know, come what may.
1: Which is funny because in the Discord, somebody said after the first match, it might have been Mike. I can't remember, but somebody said, like, how can the rest of the show improve on this? And I'm not sure that it improved, but it was also good that it was a lot of fun uh honestly i couldn't really think of anything the only thing i've got is that sick bump that the blade took on that dive that where he missed the table (laughs) that was so dumb like i wondered if literally why they didn't delete that from the episode since it was taped and they could have cut it out
0: (laughs) but that was was really it i just felt bad for him it looked like it really hurt it wasn't just like he overshot he overshot and then landed on concrete (laughs) Was like he no missed pad. it to the
2: side. He was to the side of the table. I don't. It. I don't know that it actually hurt. It looked awful the first time. When they replayed it, I was like, that might not have hurt as bad as it looked.
0: I mean, and obviously, rubbing. you know, he
2: continued the match, so thankfully he wasn't hurt or anything. But, uh, you know, that's like one of those weird, bizarre botches where it kind of enhances because it's just like, oh, things are so out of control, and, you know, this is so insane. Like this guy's gonna miss the table by two feet, and. Uh you're just kind of like, "Oh yeah, it's it's that same raw feeling that you want from wrestling sometimes." Like, "Oh, this is fucking, you know, raw."
1: <laughs> but not raw.
2: No, yeah, we, you don't you don't want raw raw. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh ratings this week, another pretty big jump for AEW. Speaking
2: Up- of not wanting
1: raw. Oh man. Damn it. Uh, that uh, would have been I, good.
0: I, uh, uh Did y'all see a tweet that was put out that Wednesday is almost Wrestling day in the world. Well,
1: <laughs> I, I'm sorry I didn't do that segue, but I do have AB's joke of the week that's going to be in this segment. So, oh, yes, everybody,
2: perk your ears up.
1: <laughs> Tease that for everybody. So, AEW up to 845,000 from 788,000. They stuck at fifth in the demo with a .32 up from a .29. I'm pretty sure Mike's going to tell us those are all highs on a long time, a long something. You know what I mean? NXT. Dropped a little, six fifteen thousand down from six hundred thirty-one, up to thirty-fifth in the demo with a 0.
0: 0.17. Welcome, my children. Welcome to the Church of the Demo God, where he has <laughs> blessed us another week. This was AEW's best week since the COVID outbreak, dating back to March, that had the most raw viewers and one of their highest demo shares. AEW as We have been blessed by the Demo God and his benevolence has shown a light upon us. Led Cable last night and men 18 to 49 with a .44, but that's not all that the Demo God has granted upon us. He also ensured that NXT was defeated by 12-ounce Mouse, which is a midnight cartoon on Adult Swim that was canceled in 2006 and was brought back this week.
1: Okay, here's here's my joke. Here's my joke. (laughs) Pretty soon,
0: NXT is going to be... 0.12
1: 0. 0.12 ounce mouse. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's,
0: Aaron's joke of the Not week.
1: I, I tried that in the group chat and it went nowhere, but I figured I'd just <laughs> try it on the show again. I,
2: I did. Li- I saw, I came to the group <laughs> chat late and I did like that. That did amuse me. Thanks.
0: <laughs> I'd like to thank Brother Bentley for interjecting there with some much needed levity as I returned to my sermon. So that. We've been having when does, uh,
2: when's communion start
0: communion will start next week as there will be blood Next week, <laughs> as sports will be back in North America as the Dodgers, the Dodgers and Astros game will be going head to head to both WWE and AEW. And that's only tidings for futures to come as a week after that, we will have the national basketball association. So these things are changing. Uh, other things of note that the demo god has blessed us this week. Uh, the only programming in the top fifty with a worse women 18 to 49 than NXT was a 3:10 p.m. Premiership match. The Premier League I always called the Premiership that's what I grew up with. And also it was close to being a clean sweep. We've been so blessed on these days, my friends. As AEW was only 0.02 away in the old demo from clean sweeping. And I like to take another moment to say all hail the demo god and also with you that's right
1: <laughs> I, was, I was trying to it's been a long time since i've been in church i was trying to look up the thing my pastor used to always say something at the end of like something and may you be a blessing to someone else this week or something hmm. and I was,
0: that's just that's just the baptist way of taking the peace be to you and with you
1: yeah yeah well yes. Yeah, this was a this was a presbyterian church uh, well it was a weird church but yes <laughs> okay Nobody needs to know about that. I've been listening to a lot of Holy Boys lately, so I've been thinking a lot about about church. Uh, That's it. That's ratings. So let's run down the show from this week. Started out with the... I
2: was... uh, Sorry. My other other option for delete, I was going to delete the fact that friend of the show, Aaron Taub, deleted all of his tweets. Um, Because, of course, he did a very controversial tweet, I don't know, a couple years ago, that AEW would be the replacement for WWE. And it was not... You know, the rise of the NDs and New Japan and now AEW was not merely the end of WWE hegemony, but AEW was going to in fact replace WWE as the preeminent wrestling promotion. Um, and you know, I might just be riding the high of a great AEW rating coming directly after a all time terrible Raw rating. Uh and in fact AEW did beat Raw in the eighteen to forty nine demo, is that right? Or are they just short of it?
0: Just short. Just um, short
2: of it. Uh, but obviously it. this is just the beginning of that, uh, that replacement process. And we would be able to retweet Aaron's tweet had he not deleted it, but he did, which is, uh, you know, this is why you never delete your tweets. You should leave them up uh, in perpetuity.
1: That's all. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can't cool. confirm this, but I just pulled up uh, the tweet where I think we saw this, which was AW for the first time beat raw in the 18 to 34 demo. Yeah, uh, that's
0: the, that's the sub demo for 1849. That, that that's a bad sign for Raw. Real bad.
1: Yeah, so AEW did a 0.18 and WWE had a 0.17 hour 2, 0.18 hour 3. So Yeah. You know, um, I think Aaron's right. Yes, we are on this like this high of of this great episode, but we see all these problems and I saw a friend of the show, uh, Brandon Howard Thurston talking about He was suggesting that WWE's problems aren't as bad as they seem because they're still...
2: uh, He did not reply to my challenge of that idea when I replied to him in a tweet.
1: I'm not sure if I saw that, Nate. I'll have to go back and look. And maybe I'm about to say what you said. But he was pointing out that they still do really well in the demo and especially compared to what else um, the network has in those slots. But he didn't grapple grapple with the fact of how much the networks are paying for for WWE versus what they could be paying for similar ratings uh and you know getting a much bigger ROI as bht might say
2: yeah that's pretty much uh, my point i uh uh kevin had mentioned that also from bad wrestling podcast that AEW is like rapidly the more economical wrestling promotion even if it's not necessarily the most yeah. uh, either, uh famous or prestigious or whatever it's like you know networks can look at uh, the, the amount that NBC and Fox are paying uh, Raw or WWE for their shows and their returns on ratings, uh, and then look at how AEW is returning you know valuable ratings for significantly lower money, uh, and that just you know for the next TV contracts to come around that puts WWE in a considerably worse bargaining position,
0: and it's not just in North America. I remember seeing earlier today, and this is, I promise, my last business note of the day, uh that Italy dropped their WWE deal because they're paying so much for so poor ratings, they picked up AEW. Whoever the Italian, I think it was Sky Italy. What's so special about Hero Bread soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. They dropped AEW or they dropped WWE and picked up AEW. So it's not even like a primary market thing. It's going to be something that I think will be more felt much more soon as we see through the India deal or not India, the Italian deal that it's going to be the ones that aren't like the prime money makers, but they're the ones that have to make the decision of, is it worth it for us to license very expensive uh, American wrestling or this other company that draws better ratings is not the uh, industry like monolith, but is shown to be more economical for our purposes. I think we're going to see that a lot more and more as we go along. So that will be something to track over the next few years.
2: Yeah. WWE uh, not doing well in Italy, not doing well in the UK, the only place where they're, holding up apparently is Canada at the moment.
1: It's like the year that uh, the Yankees missed the playoffs and uh, Tampa Bay went to the world series. And it's like, you compare, you know, what's being spent per win or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Or W I guess a better one is WB is like uh, Jeb Bush in 2016 where he spent like $8 billion per delegate delegate that he won. Please clap. Please clap. All right, Eddie Kingston, he cut a promo. We've talked about it, but I, I do want to run it down because it's an excellent promo. Uh, he says, Cody talks about grinders and how hard he works. That's easy when you grew up around used-to-be legends like Art Anderson. Eddie just coming out firing from, like, minute one. You really love it. He says he grew up around alcoholics and junkies and had to survive that. That's how he had to grind, and Cody wouldn't last a day in his shoes, which I think is, uh, is true. He says you talk about the sport of pro wrestling. That's a joke. Everyone you've picked to play, to uh face you has been a child. I'm a grown ass man. I will put you in the ground and smile.
0: What a oh. line. Oh, dude. <laughs> I wonder how many people went onto YouTube at like during the breaks now and, and watched a lot of like the good Eddie promos because there's a lot out there.
1: Yeah. Well, this, this was a good. I mean, not a you know, he's done better ones, but this was a good promo. He says, but uh, the best thing is the guy you like to mention, Tony Khan, paid me to show up. Now he's going to pay me to kick your ass and take that title. Tony told me if I want a no DQ match, that's fine, but you have to accept. So either you're an egg sucking dog or an egg sucking bitch. Cody gets mad, accepts. They wrestle. Cody wins with the figure four uh, in a great match that that we've already discussed. This it is, in- uh, oh.
2: Obviously, it's all right. I was, I was going to not say anything because I said enough, but... Um... Then I decided I had to say something. Um, it's funny that Eddie's whole thing was, you know, oh, he used to be legend, uh, you know, silver spoon in your mouth, blah, 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 you know, paying no respect. But obviously he's like, uh, you know, a mark for old wrestling, you know, the four pillars thing, like makes the Dusty Rhodes reference here. Um, it just, you know, all these, all the wrestlers now are like big fans of wrestling because you have to be, to be crazy enough to be a wrestler, right? You're not just like a well-off person who, becomes a wrestler because it's uh you know an attractive job pathway you have to be like crazy about wrestling um but eddie thankfully he's not like he's not doing what fucking ftr does right he he doesn't come out here and just like you, you know uh, uh prostrate himself before the idea of old wrestlers and Arn anderson Arn anderson was so fucking good back in the day no he comes out and fucking buries Arn anderson and then you know his his fondness for old wrestling is just kind of in the background
0: and and I'd say that probably impresses old wrestlers more than just prostrating yourself to them.
1: Hard to say really, depending on which yeah, one you're talking could, could, about. Could go either way, really. <laughs> that, that
0: is fair. That is fair. But I see Arn Anderson being like, yeah, no, I like that. You know, he seems Well, I did put
1: him guy. over in the
2: the coach's corner segment.
0: So the the thing I was I was referencing
1: earlier was there was a, an FTR interview where they they're talking about I guess they had real heat with Cody because Cody said they practice their NXT matches or something. And they were mad about that. And uh, so they, they're talking about the young bucks and they said, but then here come two five foot 10 North Carolinians, which is just very funny because they're not five foot 10.
2: I didn't who, know what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> I, just let, I just let it go.
1: Yeah. Who don't have to go out there and do two sweet and super kicks and all that nostalgia stuff. FTR said that the young bucks got over on nostalgia.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> And then they like moved on. They're like, okay, we're that's done now. We're gonna put that away. And we're, we're gonna get a new thing over.
1: We actually go out there and work and grab the audience's attention. Yes, as compared to the young bucks who have never got, gotten over with an audience. They're never over. <laughs> very funny. Very funny. Uh okay, Job Boxley had a promo next, uh, video promo, He's in a business where so many people are full of it. He keeps it real. If he tell if he's gonna hmm, if he tells you he's gonna do something, he does it. Uh, he told Taz he was going to rip Brian Cage's arm in two. Uh, he says he has to give it to Taz. He is the manager of the year because he had Cage this close to six months of rehab and surgery. But Taz made the right call. Next time, Mox says, he ain't going to let go. MJF promo next. A lot of promos on this episode. He comes out. Griff Garrison is in the ring, the Ivy League MVP. And MJF says, look at you, man. You're all jacked up. You're tan, you're fired up, you're ready to go. You can see your knees shaking, you're a little nervous, but that makes sense because you're in the ring with a prodigy. He says he's going to give Griff the opportunity of a lifetime to tell the world about Jungle Man. And Griff says, that's not my name, I'm Griff Garrison.
0: That's I mean, that's basically <laughs> how it sounded. That's pretty good. Well, with a really heavy North Carolinian accent.
1: That's true. Now this guy might be a 5'10 North Carolinian. He's probably taller yeah. than that.
0: No, no, he. No, I, he's
2: probably five foot ten. Yeah, because he's he's like the tall version of Jungle Boy, and Jungle Boy's like <laughs> five foot eight, probably seven.
0: Everyone's just five foot eight or five foot ten, apparently.
2: Actually, Jungle Boy is, is taller than he seems, so maybe.
0: Maybe he's five. foot. I remember,
2: yeah. It's there's no way I to know. Kate Beckinsale is five foot seven.
1: Griff was uh was a, a couple to a few inches taller than than MJF. So
0: yeah, yeah. Let's go transitive properties. We'll go that way.
1: Yeah. And MJF says, well, that's okay. Uh, At least I'm not pretending to be the Ivy league MVP. You look like you couldn't graduate finger painting. So why don't you tell the people at home how cool it is to share the ring with someone who's undefeated. And Griff says, didn't you lose a tag match at fighter fest? MJF attacks him bell rings. And then MJF defeats Griff Garrison with the heat seeker. And basically they just did a whole thing here in the middle of the match where, MJF tried to get Griff Garrison to say on the microphone that he's never been pinned or submitted. Griff didn't want to, and he finally did, and uh, that led to the finish.
2: Yeah, it was a pretty good little heat opportunity for MJF, right? Like, you know, his promos are what they are, Um, but that's just a good, good way to get heat within the context of the match. And, you know, Griff's a job guy. He's a dark guy, so he actually says it, but... They also didn't totally give him nothing because he did like throw the microphone back in MJF's face. So, you know, left the door open that they might do something with Griff Garrison someday.
1: I think it was Patrick Cosmos who said in the Discord that uh, I am Griff Garrison had real um, OV, OVW call-ups in the Ruthless Aggression era energy, which...
0: Uh, had the gear for it too.
1: Yeah, it was very good. We had a Britt Baker video next. We see some some. Clips uh, from her surgery. She says, or no, Rebel is about to give us an update, but Britt yells for her. Britt says she needs a chair that spins itself around and that the conspiracy needs an update. We all remember when Sheeta busted her nose. She returned the next week and her nose was taken advantage of. And she gives us rule number four never count out a role model. And they do this bit here where she's like mentioning people who had big comebacks. And she says, not unlike Michael Jordan returning to the NBA with the Washington Wizards. And uh, they do a bit with Tony saying, well, you know, that actually wasn't good. Rebel's getting in on the act. And then Britt says, I am Michael Jordan. Do not count me out, particularly at All Out. You skipped right over
2: Rebel's line, which I thought was the highlight. I'm sorry. Where she said, I've watched Space Jam 19 times, and he beats the Monstars every time. That's true. <laughs> that, that's Rebel a good was point. so good. I'm sorry, good Rebel. characterization of Rebel.
0: Rebel owns. Like, gosh, this segment rolled.
1: I mean, he she could have. I know what she was going for, but obviously, Michael Jordan, Chicago, all out has the Chicago tie. She could have done, you know, like MJ wearing the four or five, but she didn't go for that. No,
2: that was the joke. I think is that she got the wrong got the wrong one because she's a she's you know secretly dumb, thinks she's smart or whatever. The
1: only the only jokes I get date are, are AB's joke of the week. Um, <laughs> okay. Other than that, I'm I don't really understand comedy per se. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there was a video recapping the Ricky Starks, Brian cage, Darby Allen angle on dark, which essentially if you didn't watch dark and you know, what were you doing? Because it's the a show. Uh, Hard to say this week, even though it was a particularly good episode of dark, but basically we found out that Ricky Starks was aligned with Brian cage. He helped him uh, beat up Darby. So Taz comes out. He's got a promo with cage. Mike pretty much ran us down. He's basically saying, Hey, I did what I had to do to protect my guy. And then Darby's music hits, uh, but Ricky Starks attacked Darby from behind. Brian Cage powerbomb Darby onto the stage and then another powerbomb into the ring. This looks great because of how big Cage is and how much smaller Darby is. So that all looked good. And then Starks hit his finisher, which apparently Mike tells me is called the Rochambeau, real uh, South Park shit here.
0: Well, Rochambeau, that's... A French term Cajun
1: sure New Orleans I mean that's true but you know yeah it was also a South Park thing
2: I think the finish here was a reference uh of course to the Brian Cage versus Darby match from Evolve where Brian Cage threw him from the ring onto the stage you remember that
0: oh yeah
1: I don't
2: did happen there was a it was a pretty impressive throw Darby barely made it the full distance but yeah there was I don't think it was a LeBoom show, but I feel like it was a Northeast show. I think it was um, Laboom
0: because it was like might have been before Boom. they, before they had like, it was over the barrier, over the like chairs onto the yes. stage, right? Yeah, he
2: threw them like three, thro- three rows or three, you know, three rows of people from the ring onto a stage. Uh, and I, I've decided that this was a reference to that.
0: Honestly, forgot about that match. I mean- Brian Cage's Evolve run. Yeah, Brian Cage's Evolve run. I don't think many of us remember a whole lot. About it was that. right
2: up there with Jeff Cobb's Evolve run. There was, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there
1: was a Jeff Cobb-Timothy Thatcher match that was like, sorry, Chelsea, it was just the drizzling shits. So bad. I, I probably liked it. No, I don't think you did.
0: Uh, I, I, I know I didn't like it. I remember that match you're talking about. Wasn't that, like, in uh, Joppa? It was,
1: no, it was in Texas. It was in Mania <laughs> Weekend. Joppa. As I oh yeah,
0: no, no. I remember because that was right before we got to see all the flips when Gabe decided to to revisit the only thing that made him relevant post Ring of Honor. Yeah, okay. It was, it
1: was in the, the daytime six man
2: tradition. Return? I'm sorry, the return of the six man tradition.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That uh, was the six man tag, though. So
1: they were about to hit Darby with Darby's skateboard, but Mox came out and made the save with his barbed wire bat. Uh, Darby apparently got a concussion in all this, so. He's announced for a match for next week, but we don't really know if he'll be back. I just really love like you kind of got this upper mid card feud going on and you inject, you know, the guy with the title is also involved in it. It feels like to me, it felt very exciting when Mox came out to make the save because you kind of don't expect it to happen, even though I guess I should have. But it's like worlds, worlds colliding, I guess, in in a way that's exciting.
2: The uh, yeah. this is this is one of my big complaints about WWE. Um, me, I'm sorry. One of my big complaints about WWE television over the last 15 years is that every feud is in its own vacuum and they don't interact. And everybody's just like, I'm programmed with this guy. All of my segments have this guy across from me. Uh, and this is how he builds a big match where I wrestle this guy and then I move on to the next guy. Whereas here they were, you know, basically building two feuds for Brian Cage at once with Darby and Moxley, and you don't necessarily expect. Moxley to come out and save him here because last time we saw those guys interact, Moxley uh, dropped Darby on his head off the top rope and put him out for three weeks or whatever, um, which is what you know makes it exciting that there's you know some evolution of a relationship there and it's like it's like the end to one of the Larry David Seinfeld episodes or any episode of Curb really where he has four different plot lines going and they all converge at the end of the episode in a really satisfying way. This is like the wrestling equivalent.
0: Yeah, and it's something that doesn't really betray people's characters as well. I mean, Darby made a lot of saves for John Moxley before COVID and even at Fight for the Fallen. So it makes sense that like eventually John Moxley, after a while wanting to go on like this one man war against most of the roster, or most of the heels, that finally is like, oh, yeah, no, this guy helped me out. I'm gonna go help him out. So it doesn't betray Moxley's character at all for this, which I really appreciate. And yeah, this is totally tying things together in a neat bow. I also like that the Moxley Cage feud doesn't have to end, but also
1: it doesn't have to be, you know, unquestionably building toward a rematch right now, like an immediate rematch. It's just like these two guys still don't like each other, and they can still kind of have, you know, some simmering, uh, some simmering beef between them without us having to be like, and now we're gonna uh, tangle at the next pay per view in you know, Newark or whatever. It's just like, no, these guys still don't like each other. So they're going to end up back in another match. I like that. Next up, they had a little video where they announced an AEW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament. 16 women, eight teams, the deadly draw. We just found out it's going to be this summer. So we don't know exactly when. Uh, I'd say we have to pretty much guess here that it's going to be Battle Bowl rules. So we're just going to draw names for teams.
2: Well, I think either Allie or Brandy tweeted that they would be in as the Nightmare Sisters. So Ooh. maybe if you have an established team and they are pretty much the only established team, then they can kind of yes. get a
1: <laughs> get a pass into it. Okay. Well, I think this is interesting for a lot of reasons, one of which being I don't know that they've had sixteen women on TV anytime recently. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I, I like one thing I like about it is they didn't announce tag team titles. So, it's just a tag team tournament. That's cool. It adds a little, some little stakes here for the women because they've had this real problem with like throwing a lot of cold women's matches on TV. So, with this, it can kind of help you build back up the women's division. I'll be fascinated if we get any inkling of, of whose idea this was or who's behind it, but you can use some real stakes to hopefully build up some people. And you can use this to build up your next uh, title challengers.
2: It's a great setup because it gives you structure to set up these matches that have to occur and then gives you the opportunity to tell stories with a whole lot of women that otherwise would not get stories. Right. We have, you know, there's been the top line story of whoever has the women's title. Uh, there's been, you know, maybe one other story ha- happening with, you know, Nyla Rose and Shauna or whatever uh, underneath, but here you're going to have hopefully, you know, the women's champion involved and having some interaction with other people, potential challengers, and, you know, the Nightmare Sisters storyline and whatever's happened on the other side of the bracket, just you get more opportunity to give people some shine and give people a reason to get invested.
0: And it's something that, as we saw later on the show, that there is a uh, a lot of, of women who have not been who are on the scene now that they have not brought in. And you can see get another look at like we got to see Diamante has been was all over their programming this weekend i mean she was only used as someone to job when they were in florida before so you get to have things like this uh the women who've been showing up on dark as well i mean maybe we get to see uh skylar morgan maybe there'll be something happening with anna J. like there's people that they like they do stuff with like i saw abaddon is back on dark next week so like these people who haven't been f- focused on nearly enough like I'm hoping that they that with how well they usually do like road two and things like this that we actually get to have like ha- have like the focus on them and have like the camera eye torrents to them and we get like know about them know about their motivations and maybe this is something that given how everything is and how there's been so many issues with like the top line of the women's division this could maybe like find people that would be able to be on the way up and see like there there might be someone that. They're like, okay, we had you come in before. We didn't know you were here to lose to Hikaru Shida on dark. We you did a good job there. One bring you in there. And if there's like in more dimensions and more elements there, then I think that there's nothing better that can come with it. And then also as we've seen, maybe NWA is not in such a great land. And there's a lot of really talented wrestlers in NWA they could bring in, mainly like Thunder Rosa coming in would rule. So I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with this. And I'm pretty excited about it.
1: It looks like a thing where they're gonna be able to bring in a bunch of people who they don't have to sign necessarily, but they can kind of give a bunch of people a shot and, and see what happens. Like, I mean, we've seen Eva Lease, but they didn't announce they signed Eva Lease, right? So I think it probably explains some of these people that they've had around that they'll kind of just get a shot in this tag team tournament and see what happens. Plus, tag team wrestling's fun. So it'll be it'll be cool. The inner circle was with Alex Marvez, and they were building up uh, the, the main event tag match. And it was just, it was not very good or funny. It was like a really bad Chris Jericho interview, I thought. And maybe it just, it really shone a light on the fact that there isn't anything behind this little feud that they're trying to kill some time with.
0: Yeah, this happened. Like this felt like this was Chris Jericho's required mic time for the evening.
1: I should have deleted this. I hated this. I forget. I, this is what I should have said,
0: but this was also like 60 seconds too. I, like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, like I understand why you would like, I had this written down in my notebook just as inner circle. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's all it was. It was just inner circle.
1: I didn't even want to read my notes because I just really didn't like it at all. That's fair. This led right into, we just kind of see the bucks backstage and they run into the butcher and blade, just cutting meat. And the uh, young bucks got Rick Knox with them, and then suddenly uh, this match just starts. I didn't really know what was happening here, but it became the match. And then the young bucks defeated the butcher and the blade uh, with double splashes through tables from the top of the little entrance, entrances uh, on the set.
0: We already I talked about would, this. I would like to mildly delete the fact that they just had meat to waste, and that's that's gross.
1: <laughs> sure, I'm in.
0: That's not sanitary. Like I know you're a vegetarian, but am. Wow. Yeah,
2: what what's not sanitary?
0: I mean, they were throw. There was like parts where like they like threw like threw meat at each other on this.
2: Oh, okay.
0: That's gross. <laughs> That's yeah. just gross. I that obviously walk. think it's gross.
2: So it, yeah, it, 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 a little bit funny to me. <laughs> I,
0: I I mean the idea of meat hitting meat is funny, but seeing it in practice that that was just grody. Like you just wasted that. the you just wasted those. I assume they were like steaks. Like why would you do that? Come on. I think I'm
2: tired of people like talking about ah oh, big, big meaty men slapping each other. I think I'm tired of that. So, I think so mostly it's that Hosses? people, I think it's mostly that people are applying it now to evil, like ah oh, big meaty evil having a big he's meaty not- match with somebody yeah. else. I mean he he's you know he's a thick boy, but he just you know he doesn't evoke the, Haas versus Hoss sort of showdown that you know people want to, want to believe that he is. Yeah, like I think Wardlow, that's my issue.
0: Wardlow, that's a meaty man.
2: He's got to be the same size as Evil, right? He might be like oh, three bigger, inches taller.
0: Bigger than Evil, for sure. Like, no, Evil's it, that's not, he's a thick boy, but he's not like a meaty boy. Like, there's a difference, people.
2: I, we just got to retire the, the meatiness as a meme.
0: I
1: like Evil. It's,
2: it's weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair i, I mean opinion. you're not you're
2: not like super high on new japan in the first place so it's weird that evil no. would be the guy that you're like <laughs> yeah Evil, I'm that's like that my guy.
1: guy evil's like one of my favorite guys in new japan that's oh, a, that's wow. a shoot and not like this is He's definitely
2: my least favorite pushed heavyweight
1: this isn't me doing a thing where it's like evil's the only good wrestler in new japan like i don't think that i think there's a <laughs> lot of better wrestlers than evil in new japan he's just like I, I always liked it. When he comes out, I'm like, oh, cool. It's evil. I'm always happy to see him. I just like evil. I, Did you like his laser enough.
0: fingers? Were the laser fingers part of it, too? You're like, that's sweet. I oh, like yeah. Laser fingers.
1: Well, you know, it reminds me of uh, my good friend Gabe Sapolsky Anytime I see the laser. <laughs> so that's always going to pop me. But uh, I don't know. The funny thing is I've, I haven't even watched the Naito evil match. So uh, I haven't even yeah. seen his big coronation. But um, I don't know. There's just something about him that's like, well, all right. My whole new Japan thing is just the house style. I think is very similar. A lot of the matches are are very similar. And there was a time when I think evil was doing uh, was slightly different, but I think he's come around, which is smart for him to kind of just do what the other people uh, do. So uh, he's less interesting, but I don't know. I just like, I like the evil. What can I say? All right. Fair enough. What was next? Alex Marvez was catching up with uh, Jake Roberts and Lance Archer Uh, Marvez asked Lance why he wasn't at fight for the fallen. So Lance grabbed him by the collar, dragged him into a locker room and just started beating random people up. And once he was done, he said, I'm pretty sure this is what he said. He kind of was, uh, whispering it. It was like Nicole Kidman in every movie she's ever been in. Like that was the delivery (laughs) he was doing here. And he, I think he said nobody in AEW knows how or when, but when we decide everybody dies, I think that's what he said.
2: This was, either the second or third best thing on the show was just this two minutes of Lance Archer killing guys in a locker room and destroying the locker room. He went like, if we're going to do cinematic references uh, where citizen Kane fucking Charles Kane, Charles Foster Kane uh, turns into Godzilla in his bedroom and just starts smashing stuff. Cause he's so pissed right. off. Mm-hmm. He did that except with, uh, you know, little guys as his battering rams, uh, you know, threw a guy through the ceiling, threw a guy in the trash can, and the whole time, you just had Tony Schiavone losing his mind about it and screaming, and that was like that was like golden era WCW shit to me. I was like, "Fuck yes, that was awesome!" You know, they beat Lance Archer once or whatever, but he's still a force who can destroy little guys in a locker room.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had someone pull a May and go right through the ceiling. Like it was a great time. Like, how can't you enjoy this? And the, the garbage can, like this was exactly like if Lance Archer isn't wrestling, I want to see him beating up random people. So this was fantastic.
1: Diamante defeated Ivelisse with a roll up. All right. I got it. This is now I'm remembering all the things that I should have deleted. This is the thing I wanted to shit on. They did a picture in picture promo in the middle of this match where they oh. made the match tiny and made a big swole promo really big. It lasted like 30 seconds. And she said sooner or later, this was a good line. Your fragile ass is going to have to meet me in the ring, brittle Brittany. Uh, but this was a good match. And it just irritated me that they did the like NWO thing here.
2: It was, it was a, uh, I would say quite good match. I was vindicated once again for saying that Evilise is good. Um, and I don't, I don't, that didn't really jump out of the problem to me, mostly because Big Swole is a roster member and these two women probably are not. And <laughs> we're just like, oh, we're going to give two women who aren't on our main roster uh cable television time to have a match with each other is like i kind of feel like you're you're giving him enough shine in that moment uh and also they you know gave eddie kingston all the mic time in the world earlier in the show so it was golden for me i wasn't gonna complain that they didn't focus on non-sign talent enough
0: it just was abrupt like that was the thing it's like and now we cut the no, we cut the big swall at home and then Big Swall did her promo. I feel like they cut her off in the promo, like they edited like she had like another line after Brittle Brittany and that was it. So I, I get that.
1: It's just like it wouldn't have been a thing except that they already kind of short shrift the women anyway. So it just feels like oh the one woman's the one women's match on the show. Well
2: they, they put another woman on the screen. It's not I like they-
1: <laughs> But I want to watch the women wrestle, you know, okay. not necessarily All just right. talk. So you're not wrong. Well, thank you. I'm going to cut that out and uh, just insert that into future shows.
2: That's yeah, as nice as a, it's as generous as I get. You're not wrong.
1: <laughs> Adam Page defeated Alan Angels, AKA five with uh, what Mike tells me is the BT bomb.
0: Yeah. It just was like an overhead elevated power bomb that I've seen called the BT bomb. And I know that uh, Adam Page doesn't do it. Usually a black tiger does the BT bomb. That's what's called BT bomb.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Uh, After the match, the Dark Order came out. Brody Lee says to Adam Page, I've been nothing but impressed by you. I was impressed by that match and your rise to stardom. But I'm not impressed by your lack of friends, which harsh. And your lack of a tag partner when you're clearly in immediate danger. And he peers at the rest of the Dark Order. Says, don't worry, I'm not here to hit you. I'm here to offer you the Dark Order's protection. We would never leave you alone at a bar or in the ring. Hangman says he appreciates the compliments and the offer of friendship, but he's not ready to join a cult right now. Brody says, cowboy, if I may call you that, you just made your bed. I hope you enjoy your sleep. He walks over, grabs Colt, takes him to the back, and then the Beaver Boys and Uno and Stu go into the ring. Page hits first. He's outnumbered. FTR makes the save. And Kenny Omega, notably, comes out very late.
0: And and then the foam cooler was involved. There was a
1: styrofoam cooler. That's true
0: the foam cooler like got wrecked and then they had a beer that was a lot better disguised than the Miller light beer that they just like did a Sharpie over and it all sweated off. Yeah, no, this was a, I thought the match was not their best match. I think that those two could have, but I thought that the post-match stuff and like Brody Lee has been someone that I mean, maybe it's that I've watched a lot of Brody Lee and Drengate and Drangate USA lately, but it feels like that this is a promotion that's actually getting Brody Lee right and having him like out on the microphone He's a much better promo than anyone ever acknowledged and just ruled. And now we get to have a smart way to play into a tag team title match. So I love this.
1: It just, it really like, was it the whole thing that Vince thought he shouldn't talk because he was going to have like a bad accent?
2: Vince wanted him to do a Southern accent, which he could not do. He's like, Vince, I am from Rochester (laughs) or whatever. So then it was like, okay, well you just don't talk then.
1: Okay, I got the story backwards, exactly backwards. But I'm still gonna yeah. say it's funny. How about that?
0: Yeah, no, it's so funny. Like, but I don't Brody's know you got pretty- that backwards. It was the same. Same vein. He
2: would have had a bad accent if he did the accent Vince wanted him to do, so he <laughs> right. didn't get to talk at
1: all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. No, but Brody rules.
1: Yeah, this is good. I like what's going on here. I like all this.
0: And Brody had a sick three-piece suit on. It was a great time.
1: Chris Jericho, Jake Hager defeated Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, as we discussed earlier. Jericho pinned Luchasaurus after a code breaker and after Serpentico hit Luchasaurus with a bat. After the match, Serpentico was in the ring and literally my, my notes are in stream of consciousness, which says Serpentico in the ring and he has apparently joined the inner circle. Oh, wait, it's Sammy. He takes the bat. You got worked. You got I did. Sammy Guevara under there. Uh, Orange Cassidy came out with the best friends and they ran off the inner circle who were about to do a little more violence to Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy.
0: Yeah, so I thought that the post-match stuff tied together pretty well. I mean, Sammy is now back. So, I mean, that's kind of the big thing to come out of this, I would say.
1: Yeah, Sammy's back and there was, he did an interview with Sports Illustrated, Tony Khan did an interview with Sports Illustrated talking about, bringing Sammy back and what Sammy went through to uh, to earn his way his way back. And I guess they donated all of his salary to the, the Women's Center of Jacksonville, I believe is the name. And the Women's Center had a statement that they put out, just how, how thankful they were uh, for the donation. So Sammy's back. That's it. All right. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash Elite. Uh, where we do lots of bonus audio every month. Uh, it's almost the end of the month here. You probably want to uh, join us at the beginning of August, where we will, uh, if you join before then, you get charged now and at the beginning of the month. But it's also worth it because if you join now, you get everything we've ever done, plus everything we do going forward. So this past week, I dropped a startup status, startups back, so I caught everybody up on what's been going on and got you ready for the shows coming up the rest of the month. And then Mike hit us with breaking strong hearts to let us know what the uh, strong hearts folks are up to right now.
0: Yeah, probably the the weirdest promotion that they've started over the last few weeks is happening in Japan. But just like one last note, if you're wondering like how much content we have up there, as the person who has all the content, it's over. We have about over a hundred shows at this point.
1: Up there. It's well, I, I happened to look yesterday because I was uh, somebody asked how they could get to the Discord, and I was sharing with them the post where we did that explained how to get there and i know that they're not all shows but we have 144 posts that we've put on the on the uh, patreon so it, there's a lot
0: yeah no i think cuz this is yeah no we're coming up on the 1 year anniversary of it
1: yeah and in the last week yeah we put up three shows that included light which we do every wednesday morning where mike and i preview dynamite review dark and nate runs down uh, all the blogs everything is or the vlogs rather he doesn't look at any blogs i don't think
2: no blogs no. I do have some do have some text to report on, though. I okay. have a new new five-star review on the iPhone, on the iTunes podcast app. Thank you. Uh I'm trying to decode if this is it. Must be someone we know. Uh because of it. So here, from the ashes of everything evolves, rises the Phoenix, as in Ray Phoenix, in the ever elite dynamic duo of Mike and Nate.
0: Your what twin towers
2: <laughs> of your twin towers Finally. of totally titillating takes. Tony and Aubrey may have the official pod, but our guys, no, our folks are the podcast of the people. Uh if Aaron is here, is who you are here for, you are probably a communist with horrific movie takes. I say enjoy five stars. I'm trying to who is particularly objected to your movie takes?
0: I mean, other also
2: me, I don't I don't know that you're a communist. I don't know well, if you are you have not espoused uh communist views. You know, as as opposed to generally leftist views on this podcast, so I I'm not sure if I can unpack who this is. Um, uh,
1: I mean, we are often referred to as the Communist Errands, so I mean that may be That's true. Just a, a a tie over from that. I don't know that I would call myself a i con- I I'm not smart enough to really have a great way of of describing my politics, but yes, they, it is
2: it is probably a a reference to the the epithet that the, uh, that the flagship gentlemen have uh, levied against you and Aaron Temp.
1: Yes. The communist Aaron. So I don't know. Uh, that's,
2: not, that's not to say being a communist is a bad thing because it's an epithet uh, just because that's, that's how Joe Lanza means it when he says it.
1: Yes. I'm assuming that whoever wrote that is just a miserable person. Unless.
2: <laughs> no, I, I have to object to that. Uh, they <laughs> called me and Mike uh, the dynamic duo with totally titillating takes.
0: I mean, they're not wrong.
1: You're definitely two
0: boobs. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to do the voice for that. No.
2: Very upset with myself for laughing at that. (laughs) Uh,
1: But you know what would make them not a miserable person? If they subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. I got to finish this fake ad read here. Uh, If you're a patron, make sure you join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. That's it, really, I guess. Next week, July 29th, we will be back in Daly's place for another episode of AEW Dynamite. Big card announced. Tag team titles, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defending against the Dark Order team of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. The Inner Circle will take on the best friends, Jungle Boy and The TNT title, Cody versus Probably Warhorse. Hikaru Shida versus Diamante, non-title match. And a tornado tag match. John Moxley and Darby Allen taking on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Of course, that all depends on if Darby is cleared to wrestle wrestle after having a concussion.
0: So what's y'all's thoughts about a tornado tag match in this promotion given that we've had all kinds of false count anywheres. We've had no DQs. We had Escalera down workday matches. What's your thoughts about a good old-fashioned tornado tag?
2: Uh, I'm in favor of it. I think that The Tornado Tag is an underutilized match style to advertise uh, because it is, you know, it's like a legitimate match. It's not a fake triple threat, bullshit, Cracker Barrel, Clash, uh, you know, False Counts Anywhere match with no rules. But it does play to the, you know, more exciting contemporary tag team style where people are just going at it all the time. So I'm uh, I'm in favor, but I, you know, like that they called it out as a specific Unique thing to this this matchup here.
1: I just wonder why they can't do something like a series of tornado tag matches to to help us determine a new champion. That's that's the kind of wrestling I like to watch.
0: Oh oh, I I get yeah, especially if they get to win two falls in a row. Correct.
1: Okay, I was trying to do a thing about NXT doing the triple threat series.
0: Oh. oh, I didn't yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, I thought you were making a future stardom reference.
1: No, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how... What do you think about this style of match, Nate? So, have you watched the just... future of stardom <laughs> title match, first of all?
2: Oh, oh! so the, uh, this is this is how they used to decide. Um, they've done a couple of IWGP title series like this, right? Where it's not a triple threat, but all three people wrestle each other in a quick little round robin kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you do. One v one matches, but you have to win two falls in a row to win the yeah. match.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have to win two falls in a row against the same person. No, no. you have to, have to okay. beat both right. people. Okay, exactly. right. Uh, yeah, no, I th- I'm pretty sure uh, they they've decided the IWGP title in a series like this two or three times. There um, maybe maybe it was a, a G one when they had a three way tie in a one or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm in favor of it. I think. Again, it's it's actually kind of similar to the Tornado Tag in that it's a legal and logical solution to a goofy pro wrestling thing where you don't just throw all the fucking rules out the window. You just come up with a new kind of thing that makes sense and that you're having an actual wrestling match with a person, uh, but you have to beat two people somehow. So it it makes total sense to me.
1: I, I'm kind of surprised I... neither of you are members of the Limitless Legion. Uh, I I do
2: I enjoyed Keith Lee's time on the Indies. Yes, he was good. Yeah, he big had a fan. Seems like a nice guy. Indies.
0: Yeah, great theme on the Indies. I wouldn't uh, I
2: wouldn't just get rid of the, one of your belts for no reason. Seems silly. Seems weird. Wait, yeah.
0: wait. So they're getting rid of rid of one of the belts somehow. No, he just
2: he, he just relinquished uh, the North American titles. like okay, somebody else can have it.
1: He's. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like he did a promo that said I may be limitless but I don't want to limit the potential of the other wrestlers here at NXT.
0: That's a oh. real Hillary Clinton <laughs> slogan. I, I want <laughs> it everyone... may not be limitless, but I do not <laughs> want to limit the other potential, the wrestlers of the NXT.
1: Yeah. He basically wanted everybody to, to Pokemon come to the ring and have no. A no, you know, last on the <laughs> Have a series of triple th- now that why a
0: fucking so, series of triple threat matches that's the thing i don't get like uh, you know I,
2: you, you want to know why it's because it's a tna tribute promotion and the x division <laughs> used to have all triple threat
1: matches that's true
0: that's well true. i mean but the thing is that the X Division was about no limits this is he's saying that he doesn't want to be limited but he's limiting himself to one title and then he does a hillary mass promo and they're doing this and it's really dumb Whereas the future is starting makes sense. It makes more sense than a normal triple threat match. Cause then you have yeah. definitive pens on both people. Why am yeah. I getting worked up about a promotion? I don't watch. Why
2: I do want it- the Aaron's joke uh, relies on the existence of a game called Pokemon come. And I just want to point that out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, one of Aaron Taub's favorite games. It's an H game. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it works. Um, I don't know. I was going to do a Keith Lee's on the flight logs joke, but I think it's just gone too far. This no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, there was something there about him giving up uh, his title the same week that uh, just like Maxwell was arrested, you know, I just... Something I, don't, yeah, you know, I, I
2: don't know if there was anything there. No, but, uh,
0: and I, I mean, this is, as I like to say, this is some real family circus Jeffy-ass, like, circuitous logic here. You're going to get your way back home, but you're going to be going all through the sandbox like five times.
1: I'm going to... Pokemon, come back
0: home. <laughs> I, I really should never have done the joke of the week soundbite immediately right after, because that's just giving you too much power. It has. Well, if you want to tell me how much you like my jokes, you can tweet us at... Or hate
2: your movie takes.
1: No. Bullshit. I don't want to hear about it. Um, I was trying to think of a hot movie take there, just to, just to douse uh, the flame with, but... Or I guess. I, I that, mean, yeah, are, what I wanted to say. Going to
0: see the Jason Bateman movie extract is Mike Judge's best work. It's not um, for
1: sure. I don't have well, a I take mean, on that. I'm sorry. I, I expect
0: that. Aaron to, to to say this as Jason Bateman is America's greatest actor. No,
2: okay. many years ago. It was, I, it was fine.
1: I did not say he was America's uh, uh, greatest let's actor.
2: Check the tape. Let's check the tape on that.
1: I did say he's good. I, I like him quite a bit. Um Mike Judge I'm trying to look at his IMDb there's, now. There's, a, there's
2: an obvious answer to Mike Judge.
1: Yes, Zach Brown Band, "The Wind" official music video, I think, is uh, is his best That's, work. That is not it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have a strong take here. Am I supposed to say Office Space?
2: I'm supposed to say King of the Hill?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, we're talking Dude. about movies. We're talking about real <laughs> art films.
2: Uh, again, animation is the real art, <laughs> as I've established.
1: Wait, 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 no, no, no. Mike judges best work, unquestionably, The Honky Problem.
2: Not familiar.
0: Yep.
1: Me yep. either, but it's got to be good. It's called The Honky Problem. A Texas Honky Tonk concert reveals a major problem. Is <laughs> <It's> the
0: <laughs> I bet it does. I bet It's
1: the it Honky Tonk man.
0: <laughs> talk, talk, man. Yeah. okay
1: i, I nice don't have anything it. else everything aw i'm at aaron like the car nate is at a mike is at fuji hey ya you can subscribe to the podcast please do give us a rating and review just like that really shitty one that nate read a little thank ago. you for your
2: review to our reviewer
1: appreciate it thank
0: you thank you we appreciate it
1: go to hell whoever you are <laughs> <laughs> uh patreon.com slash everything elite That's it. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.